Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Good, and also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, Dan, me and you are in our basements. I feel like Mary Kay should be in her basement, too, for continuity here. (laughs) Not everybody can see us on video for this podcast, (laughs) but I feel that needs to happen. We need to see Mary Kay's basement. I am in my basement. Oh, oh, you like are? Your, your yes. basement is just nicer than ours, I guess. Wow. <laughs> this is my basement. Yep. She wins the basement competition. <laughs> All right. She doesn't have a, a Cleveland Force banner up, though. But. No. Yeah. No. Or, a, or an Ace Freely itself. stuffed animal here behind me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've been spending our time talking about, you know, different players, what to expect. We talked about the running backs. We talked about Baker Mayfield. I want to move to the defensive side of the ball today, and I want to talk about Miles Garrett because his season, for so many reasons, uh, it, it could be a very intriguing one. He's got another new defensive coordinator. He's coming off his suspension. He really was having a great year last year when he was suspended. Um, so let's start there with, with Miles Garrett coming off this suspension. It erased the final six games of his season. He was just readmitted back in March. Uh, so Mary Kay. How do you think that suspension will affect Miles Garrett or impact Miles Garrett? Or is it something he, he'll be able to just sort of leave behind him? No, I don't think he will be able, be able to ever leave it behind. I think it will come up uh, a fair amount. I think it will be uh, part of the fabric of his story for the rest of his career. I don't think he will ever completely put it behind him. But it's how he responds to it. It's how he comes back from it. And I think he's got something to prove to people this year. You know, he did say recently uh, in an ESPN interview that he let a lot of people down. And I think even though, uh, you know, he feels that in some ways he had at least a reason or, or something that set him off that, that Mason uh, Rudolph said that I, I still think he believes that he needs to rebuild his image and get back in the good graces of a lot of people. So I think you're going to see a very hungry Miles. I think you're going to see a very renewed Miles. I think he's going to come back with a lot of vigor and a lot of energy. It seems like every time we have our conversations daily now, we're, we're tying this to the last dance and somehow, in some way. And this reminds me of, uh, of Scottie Pippen's uh, issue of not wanting to go into a game at the end uh, of a, uh, a big game. Tony Kukoc ends up getting the call for the last shot. Pippen's upset that he wasn't uh, the first priority there, doesn't go in, 
people talked about him not being able to live that down. It's the same thing with Miles Garrett. And you're right, 5, 10, 15 years from now, it's going to keep coming up. And we always see the sack of Terry Bradshaw before Brown Steelers games. And I imagine we're going to see Miles and Mason Rudolph now uh, as, as you know, broadcasts try to hype up the meeting. And, you know, it's actually interesting you mentioned that because there's a, there's a chance we've already covered this, but it was interesting when they mentioned that Scottie Pippen thing during the last dance, how they talked about Bill Cartwright giving that speech in the locker room after and how, you know, Kukoc hit that shot and they won the game. And it was, it was very dramatic. And um, Cartwright had to give that speech. He was like in tears at one point. Uh, so we all kind of remember that locker room after the Garrett thing. The thing about Miles, though, is I'm curious how he's going to address this moving forward because he's obviously had the big ESPN interview. Uh, him and Odell Beckham had that little back and forth on social media yesterday, so it's clear he's willing to at least have a sense of humor about it uh, publicly. I'm curious, we as a group haven't gotten to talk to Miles yet. I don't know when that's going to happen with, with all this stuff going on, but... Um, you know, Mary Kay, is there anything left that he has to say or, or has he kind of said everything about it? No, I think there is a little bit more that he can say. Now, the question is, will he say it? Because I, I think uh, that he has tried to, at least when he, um, when, when Tom Reed from The Athletic went and interviewed him in Tanzania, uh, he really wanted to put it behind him and he just really didn't want to keep going over this again and again and again. I would hope that once he does a big group interview with us, that he will address it and that he will say what he needs to say. And I think he does need to say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, just being, you know, more grateful, wanting to rebuild his image and character and to, and to prove to people that that was just a moment in, in time, that that's not who he is. And that will propel him on uh, to greater things on the football field and that he's going to be everything that, Browns fans and the Browns need and want him to be. So I hope he doesn't avoid it and completely, uh, you know, just say that's in the past. I'm not talking about that. That that's not what we need. We are the people that cover him on a daily basis, and we deserve our opportunity to tell the fans, you know, what he has to say, uh, not just an ESPN interview. Is there another player on this team who you think would call out OBJ for? slapping a, a cop's behind and getting in trouble for it the way Miles did on, on Twitter. I, I, I'm not sure there is. I don't know. Jarvis is pretty quiet on social media and they're friends, but, but that just, I think that caught everybody's eye. And, you know, it was clear they're kind of joking, but it was kind of eye-opening to think that, wow, somebody on this team will, uh, will kind of have some fun with OBJ and, and his troubles. That was kind of, that was kind of surprising. I don't know. But I think as far as what Miles has to say, I, I don't know if he really has anything more to say. I think it's more about proving it. You know, last year he had he had the issue in week one with, uh, was it Delani Walker? Yeah. Of, um, of the Titans with the punch. And then, you know, he went through that, that, that stretch there where people brought up the idea of him being a dirty player because of late hits. And then you have the thing with the Steelers and all that stuff's kind of wrapped up and, I think the less he says at this point, the better, the more he just goes out and does what he's supposed to do. And to borrow a phrase, do your job kind of, you know, I think it's better for him. You know, the least he says about it, the, I'm sure the Browns would prefer that he doesn't say anything else about it. Uh, but I don't think I need to hear anything more from Miles on that. I think it's just about going out and being the player we all expect him to be at this point. You know, certain players, I think, 
would let an incident like the Mason Rudolph incident, uh, you know, rattle them to the point where, you know, they would struggle emotionally with it and have a hard time, you know, really have trouble coming back to the playing field and struggling with their identity and trying to figure out, you know, how, how, how hard to go, how hard not to go. Um, because we had been hearing so many people say, you know, he's, you know, he's got to step it up. He's got to have the do that dog in him. And he had kind of had that pounded into his head. Um, but this, I think the Odell Beckham Jr., the them trading barbs, I think it showed that Miles is willing to, you know, to try to laugh about this a little bit, to try to, you know, to try to show that this isn't going to break me. I can come back from this and be everything everybody needs me to be. Right. And, and then, you know, the other element of that is, Mary Kay, you mentioned it, uh, you know, right after that interview, he goes to Tanzania and he's part of this water boys organization. And, and he's certainly a guy that um, off the field has shown that, you know, he's, he's definitely, it's easy to look at this incident and say it, it's an outlier. It happened on a football field. Um, this isn't a person yet. Now let's talk about the football field though. The, the, the non hitting people with helmet side of it. Uh, three years, 37 games, 30 and a half sacks. He had 13 and a half in 2018, 10 last year in those 10 games uh, that he played before the suspension. I think we all remember that first game when he came back his rookie year, he lines up inside on his very first play, gets to Ryan Fitzpatrick and brings him down. And I, and I remember that's one of those moments where in the press box, like even, you know, as stoic as it can be in there, everybody, you heard like gasps when he broke through the line. We've seen the talent that Miles Garrett has. Uh, but I do think one of the themes we've talked about on this podcast every now and again is, and we've heard coaches say it too, is there's even more there than what we've seen. So Scott, I'm just wondering in, in your time having watched Miles, do you watch him and, and see that there's even more that he's capable of doing than, than what we've seen now? I think what you really want to see is how he does with, with, new people around him. And we got to see that for half the season, but, but then there were some injury issues there on the line and there was some shuffling. Um, I think that was the big thing going into last year. This year, it sounds like, or it looks like we're going to get kind of a, a repeat of that lineup. So, I mean, he's good. He should have broken the sack record, the single season Brown sack record last year. You know, he, he played what, 10 sacks, 10 games. He didn't get to play the Bengals. He didn't get to play the, the Dolphins, they sacked Fitzpatrick, I think, four times that game. You know, he didn't – they played the Bengals twice. Kyler Murray had this, was sacked like 47 times last year. And the Browns didn't get him, but if Miles Garrett's out there, he probably does. So, I think, I think we saw what he could and should be last year. Um, you take away some of those borderline calls on him last year, and it's an even better season. So, I think we, we got a really good idea of how good he can be. We just didn't get a, a, a f the full package or the full season version of it last year. I think, you know, if he doesn't break the single season record for the Browns this year, I, I would be surprised. You know, Dan I, and, and Scott, I do, I do think, and I, I could see that happening too, but I do think that there is another gear that he can and should get to, and here's what I think it needs to include. I, I need to look out there. If I picked you number one overall, I want to look out there and see you wrecking the football game. I want to see you punching the ball out and wreaking havoc. I want, I want to see that you have made it virtually impossible for that quarterback to function and you are in his head. And I want to see you, like I said, taking the ball away, 
batting it down uh, and, and dominating, just really dominating because he has the physical ability to do it. And we have not seen him do that in very many games. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's easy for people to maybe hear, hear you say something like that and, and hear us say like, Hey, you know, we want to see more out of miles Garrett and think we're like hating on him or saying he hasn't been good or, <laughs> but you know, sometimes it just, first of all, sometimes it takes time, you know, Aaron Donald didn't, show up and, and dominate like we've seen him dominate in recent years. Uh, J.J. Watt, it, it took a little bit of time. Sometimes it takes these guys a little bit of time. What we've seen from Miles Garrett in his first three years has been really, really good. Like you said, Scott, he's good. <laughs> but I, I also think that there's probably another gear there. And, and he's even admitted it when he's talked to us, that he wants to, he wants to get to the quarterback more. He's not happy with just pressures and – um, you know, and obviously we see him when you just watch the games and see him push a left tackle back into the quarterback, even if it's not a sack, it affects the quarterback. But he wants to finish more plays like that. And I think that's the ability that the Browns saw in him when they took him number one overall. And I think that's the ability that, that everyone kind of sees when we watch him. And it just hasn't, for different reasons, he hasn't quite hit that ceiling yet, which is okay because he's only going into year four. Yeah, I think it is true. We haven't seen that game that we've seen from from Watt or even uh, last year when we played the when the Browns played the 49ers with Bosa. There isn't that game where you thought that Miles Garrett had taken over yet. Maybe it was a, a stretch against the Jets uh, last year, um, but there hasn't been that full game where you're wondering how this offense, like you said, Mary, how can this offense operate with him out there? Um, maybe we get that this year. That that would be a step up. And you know, I think that he's sort of set up to have that a little bit more this year. Uh, you know, once Olivier Vernon and both miles were, were gone, you know, obviously the, the defense kind of went south, but if Olivier Vernon can stay healthy and then if you can roll in, uh, you know, another guy like an Adrian Claiborne and, you know, and keep the pass rush very fresh and have somebody else that you really have to worry about, or a couple of guys that you really have to worry about that can get to the quarterback that you gotta, uh, that you gotta really try to devote extra attention to. Uh, I really think that it does free miles up to have that kind of a monster game. And that's what you need from him. You need monster games from him. Uh, you know, you need several of those, not, you know, you just don't want to see one of those. And if he wants to, be defensive player of the year you've you've got to have those kind of games you've got to make people say oh my goodness look what he just did you know it just can't be you know a sack a game which is about what he's done um it, it's got to be more than that and that is what you expect from the number one overall pick and i remember when they were getting ready to draft miles garrett number one overall the word the buzz phrase was generational player. He is a generational player. If you're a generational player and you want to be the defensive player of the year and all of the other things that he wants, and he has very, very lofty goals. If you want those things, then you have to come out and just have dominant monster games. You've got to be a scary guy. Uh, and you know, you've got to do it in such a way that it's within the confines of the game. That's what he's got to reconcile in his mind. He's got to be able to do it without getting, uh, you know, without getting, you know, the encroachment calls. He's got to be able to do it without getting the flags. He's got to be able to do it 
without getting the roughing the passer call. So he's going to have a lot of stuff going on inside his head. In fact, you know, maybe he might want to like talk to a sports psychologist before he heads into the season because he's got a lot to think about. I thought you were going to say he needs to come out swinging and I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, too soon. Yeah, well, we'll avoid that. That'll be a headline at some point this year, right? I'm trying to think of, uh, I, I think um, the tie against Pittsburgh was another game that I always kind of go back to with him where he... Yeah. In the fourth quarter of that game, it was 21-7, if I remember right. I, I don't have the, the game book in front of me, but he forced – I believe he forced a fumble near the goal line in that game, and there was another play that he made in that game that sort of allowed the Browns to come back and tie it. And, look, when you're a defensive end, you're not going to impact the game like a quarterback, right? You're not going to touch the ball. There's going to be games when you get neutralized. You know, we mentioned the Joey Bosa game on Monday Night Football. Well, he didn't – every game wasn't like that for him. J.J. Watt, not every game during his defensive player of the year run was, you know, absolute dominance. But a lot of times with him, with Aaron Donald, with these great defensive players, you just always see that player. Whether he makes the play or not, you always look up and you see there's 99 in the backfield. There's that guy in the backfield. There's that guy right there. And, and we see that. We see glimpses of that from Miles Garrett. And we see some of the stats from Miles Garrett. Uh, but we're, that, that's that's really the next level. That's that's how we get to okay. Miles Garrett is one of the great defensive players in the game, and he's the defensive player of the year. So the question is, what do we expect from Miles Garrett this year, Mary Kay? Do we expect to see that this year, and why? You know, I I think so. I think that uh, you know, I think this incident, like I said at the outset, I do think that it is going to have the effect on him that he's going to take his game up to another level. I think he knows uh, that that is going to be the best way for him uh, to put that be behind him and not be defined by it. He will then be defined by his play, his excellent, dominant monster play on the football field, and not by that incident. I remember back when uh, Jameer Miller played for the Browns, and he, you know, he was just a, a really great down-for-down down defender, and he was a good player, but he just wasn't making those impact plays. He wasn't getting those turnovers. Uh, he, he just wasn't being dominant in the way that he was capable of. And I wrote about it. You know, I, I said, you know, he needs to do this. He needs to create turnovers and game-changing plays, you know, to be considered great. And, um, and he, he has had conversations with me about that. Like, he, he actually said to me that that, you know, kind of – made him mad <laughs> and and it, he went out and started to do that more because he realized you know what you're right I'm not making a difference game in and game out and I think that's um that's what Miles needs to do and I do think he will do it this year are we asking if is he going to be defensive player of the year is that what you're asking if if that's what you want to answer uh certainly I I just you know do, do we see him taking that next step I and mean, what does that next step look like I guess if, if it looks like defensive player of the year then you know certainly yeah I mean so much like Mary Kay I think you alluded to it earlier so much goes into that and what games you're in you know they what two I think two primetime games this year um you know it's it's national attention it's it's those big highlight plays that you can you know clip out and put on Twitter and share to everybody and you know, Miles gets 16 sacks, um, you know, 16 run-in-the-middle sacks. I, you're, you know, you got to get the strip sacks. You got to get, like you said, like the fumbles. You got to be the guy, you know, doing the, the belly flops and the, and the wet grass across the field like Bosa. And there's all these things that I don't know 
I don't know if that kind of showmanship's really Miles Garrett. I mean, he's a guy who listens to like 70s soft rock <laughs> classics at his locker, you know, after practice. I, I don't know, but I, I could see him getting enough stat-wise to be in that conversation. After that, it's, it's more about, you know, just how, just perception and, and, and those wow plays. And you've ta- you know, put together enough of those and then people are going to vote for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm fact-checking myself here real quick. J.J. Watt did have 20 and a half sacks his second year and, and won a Defensive Player of the Year award. But then his back-to-back years, which is what I was thinking about, were 2014 and 2015. And then uh, Aaron Donald won his back-to-backs in 2017 and 2018. Of course, he was a 2014 pick. So, um, you know, the thing Miles has to win Defensive Player of the Year is there's name recognition there, and that's important too. He's a guy that I think a lot of – that there will be writers out there who put him, and I think rightfully so, on, on those preseason lists. I, I feel like we have seen a better Miles Garrett each and every year. I, I feel like we've seen a guy that, you know, his rookie year he dealt with that ankle sprain. He was never really 100% had a really nice second year. I, I think last year he was certainly trending up. And like you mentioned, Scott, we, we might've seen a balloon in those numbers based on those teams the Browns were playing in the second half. Um, and I also think the, the important note here with Miles is, I think his athleticism on the end is really important when you have to play a guy like Lamar Jackson twice a year. I think having that type of elite athleticism and speed from a defensive end is really important. Not that he's gonna shut him down, but I think it gives you a chance to do some different things defensively um, when, when you have to face a guy like a Lamar Jackson two times, especially right off the top of the season. And, and I do think, you know, having Garrett and Vernon and some athleticism on that defense last year helped contribute to what the Browns did that first time they played Baltimore. And of course they didn't have that the second time they played. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you need, you know, this defense has got to be built uh, in part to stop the, um, you know, the Lamar Jacksons and now, now the Joe Burrows and Ben Roethlisberger in, in this division. And it's a really, really tough quarterback division, especially if Ben Roethlisberger comes back uh, the way that he was before. I mean, if he comes back strong, this is a tough, tough QB division. And there will be other tough quarterbacks that they have to play uh, this season. And, and Miles certainly comes in handy in that way. And I do think that he is fully capable of, 18, 19 sacks a season. I really do. I think he, I think he can do that. I think he can win the sack title. Um, and the other thing to consider with Miles, of course, is that he's due for a very big payday very soon. Yes. They have picked up his fifth-year option, uh, and that is, is at about $15.1 million for, for his fifth year right now. But I don't really expect him to, to get to that point, or at least I know that they will try to make sure – uh, that he has a good long-term extension by then, and he stands to make a lot of money. Yeah, you know, we were talking a lot about sacks, and you know he still led the team in quarterback pressures last year. Yeah. It's in ten games, and you know that's that can be just as valuable because then the quarterback's throwing off balance, throwing early, throwing interception, whatever, um, running out of the pocket into trouble. You know, he. I, I think we mentioned the Baltimore game. After that game, I don't think he had a sack in the first game. And I wrote a story about what exactly did Miles Garrett do all game. Well, he was, you know, drawing double teams and, and drawing a lot of attention and creating opportunities for his teammates. And and like you said, Dan, he's kind of keeping Lamar Jackson, maybe not in the pocket, but determining where he goes. So, you know, it's not just about sacks with Miles Garrett. He obviously affects the game in so many other ways. And um, just having him out there is, is a big deal for the Browns. 
Well, and that's why the other three guys on that line are so important. Um, you know, whatever that lineup looks like, that those three guys are super important because there are times where you'll wa- you'll watch, and whether you're you're watching in real time, you're going back and watching the the coach's tape or just rewatching the broadcast, you'll notice, okay, Miles, you know, had the left tackle and then a tight end and then a running back, and they were all blocked him at one point on a play, and then you see teams just devoting those types of resources to him. So those other players either need to force teams to not do that or they need to take advantage and they need to get home and, and they need to eat a little bit and, and put up those big numbers. Hey, Larry Ogunjobi would love to do that because he's going into a contract year. So he's somebody who would probably like to get paid as well. So maybe Miles Garrett can, can help him do that. So um, really with Miles, Mary Kay, you said 18 or 19. If I put the over under at Scott, what's the, what's the Browns record? I should know this. 14 and a half. Okay. Since so 1965. Put, so if I put the over under at like 16, I, I feel like I want to take the over because I feel like this could be a big year for Miles. I'm, I'm, that's a big number. Are you guys taking the over on that? Hmm. I'm looking at the schedule here real quick to refresh my memory. <laughs> wow, that, that's a, and a half. It's a big number. Let's say 15 and a half. Let's put the over under at 15 and a half. I, I would take the over at 15 and a half. Because I think he was going to get that last year. Yeah, he would have gotten that last year for sure. I'm going to say over. If you're going 15 and a half, I'm going to venture out, and I'm going to say over for next year. Yeah, I'm going to say over too because I think he should get the record. I mean, he should have got it last year. He almost got it two years ago, and that's 14 and a half. So, you know, what's another sack? <laughs> another yeah. sack and a half. So, yeah, yeah I, would, I would take the over on that. I was too. I was too conservative. I, sh- I should have been more aggressive on my own. <laughs> 20 and a half over. On and a half. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I'm going to tell everybody about Football Insider, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. So as usual, let me tell you about Football Insider. You want to get signed up for that 14-day free trial. Mary Kay, me, Scott, Ellis Williams, we are going to text you throughout the day uh, with inside scoop and analysis on the Browns. Sometimes we'll throw some nuggets in about interviews we're doing or or some thoughts on the news of the day. Uh, We text you all of that stuff and it gives you an opportunity to interact with us in a different way because when you respond to a text, we respond directly to you. It's not a tweet reply that everybody can see. It goes directly to you and only you. So it's kind of a different fun way to interact with us. And of course, if you're a podcast listener, you know about Texter Tuesday where we take only questions from our texters, and that's what we talk about on our Tuesday podcast. So you want to get involved in that. So again, there's that 14-day free trial. After that, it's $3.99 a month. You can cancel it with one text if you don't like it, but I think you're going to love it if you give it a chance. Uh, what you need to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a box on the right side of the page. Click on that, and you can see all of our options for text subscriptions Go to Football Insider and, and check that out. Or if it's easier to start that 14-day free trial, just text us, of course, 216-208-3965. Again, to start your 14-day free trial of Football Insider, 216-208-3965. Back to the show. I'm back on the Orange to Brown Talk podcast with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko on Dan Lobby, and we're going to talk a little more Miles Garrett, but we're going to talk specifically about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Miles will make his first trip to Pittsburgh in week six, um, pulling up the date of that game, October 18th. It's a one o'clock start. 
Uh, it's the week after the Browns host the Colts. It's going to be the first time these two teams play, and then they play again later in the season, actually the finale on January 3rd to wrap up the season. That could be an interesting game if both teams live up to the hype. We know Big Ben is, is back. That's interesting. But let's talk about Miles Garrett. What's it going to be like when he goes to Pittsburgh? We knew what it was like last year when we went there, and he wasn't playing. And, you know, the NFL kind of – they moved the game to 1 o'clock, and kind of a lot of that stuff ended up getting a little downplayed. But Miles is going back to Pittsburgh pretty early next year, Mary Kay. What, what's it going to be like? What, what is he going to have to deal with? Well, he's going to have to deal with a lot. I mean, that is going to be the dominant storyline of that game, obviously. And even though he can kind of joke about it a little bit right now on Twitter, it's not funny to uh, most of the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fans. I mean, we, you know, you had a lot of people that got involved in that. And there are people that are certainly not anywhere near over this by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you've got Mason Rudolph having to, you know, come out again and defend himself against allegations that, as in Miles' words, uh, that, that he called him the N-word. Okay, so that is going to be huge as we head into this game. Uh, you've got Mike Tomlin being upset about the whole entire way that this went down and continuing to defend Mason Rudolph about this. And you've got other players, Marquise Pouncey involved. Uh, you know, you've just got a, a lot of bad blood left over from this situation in part because miles went back at the whole um you know racial slur thing in the espn interview so instead of him like coming out and saying something like you know i learned from this you know and, and you know I, I can't do things like this i mean he kind of brought that whole thing up again and took it to the next level you know we all kind of assumed we knew what he thought mason rudolph said but you know he put it out there for all the world to see Mason denies it. I still think that there will be a lawsuit involved. And um, it's certainly not over. It will dominate that week and that day. I think it was the, the first home game after the Pittsburgh game. I, I don't know if it was the week after the incident or two weeks after it, but that was the, the week when they had the pinata of Mason Rudolph. It was, um, it was a week after because I, I went to Pittsburgh yeah. before the rematch and they were talking about that in the locker room. Right. And, uh, so I went to the, I went to, we all went to the game in Pittsburgh and I walked around, you know, the, the tailgates and just to kind of get a sense of the fans. Cause we weren't really sure what was, what we were going to expect, you know, to see there. And it was very surprisingly calm. There were a lot of Browns fans there in, in Miles Garrett uniforms and jerseys. And, and there were some signs, but Steelers fans that didn't really seem to care. There wasn't any, there certainly weren't any pinatas of Miles Garrett that I saw. There wasn't any uh, any arguments or yelling or or really anything that, that maybe you thought could happen when when these fan bases got together after that, which was you know a pleasant surprise, I guess. I mean, I saw Browns and Steelers fans playing catch in the street, so I, I'm really curious about what it's going to look like this year. If if a year later it's all roiled up and there's actually bad blood this time, or if it's just more of what we saw last year with okay, it's another game, and yeah, Miles is here, and we'll boo him, but um, I don't know. I would be surprised if there's nothing. There's got to be signs if he's there, but um, last year's game was kind of a surprise and just seeing how, how calm. I think the Steelers just wanted to do their talking on the field, let their team handle things, and they certainly did. Well, I'm pretty sure that this time around, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns probably won't wear a Pittsburgh started it T-shirt 
right. the night Sorry, before Paige. they leave for the game. So I think that we can all pretty much count on that. That that is one part of this. The the coaching staff is gone um, from last year for the Browns. So you know it's a different head coach. But, you know, we know how this game works. You know, there's going to be national media in town all over the place for that game. The, the Mina Kimes interview and quotes from it are going to pop back up. Uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be asked about it. We'll see how the Steelers kind of handle all of that. Um, so even if, you know, the Steelers for their part and the Browns for their part want to kind of put everything behind them and make it about the game, I, I just don't think uh, it, they're going to be able to do that. I, I mean, you're going to have – a crush of people who remember that incident or know this is the first time Miles Garrett is going against the Steelers again. And, and it's going to be a big, de- big deal, not just locally, but it's, it's going to be a national buildup to this game. What, what are the odds? Where do we put the odds at greater than 50% or less than 50% that Odell wears a Pittsburgh started at shirt to this game? <laughs> because if anybody's going to do that, it wouldn't be Miles Garrett. I think it would be Odell wearing that shirt greater than 50 percent less than 50 percent i could see miles doing i don't think miles he would I, I could see miles doing something kind of do we think do we think anybody on the, the browns is going to wear that shirt i don't, no. I don't think so i'll tell you why not kevin stefanski is so all about protecting the team don't do anything that hurts the team you know just do everything that we possibly can to pull together and and try to win a football game I don't think anybody's going to pull that under under Kevin Stefanski. I could be wrong, uh, but I do think that that Miles is going to have to he's going to have to block out a lot during that game. I mean, he's really going to have to try to stay within himself and and not let it get to him because there will be signs, there will be uh, there will be yelling, screaming, trash talking at him on the field from the stands everywhere, and it's 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 going to be a long day for him. And you know he'll get to prove himself on the field right that's that's the great thing about sports you get to go out there and and do your talking on the field much like Scott said the Steelers did in that second matchup when Duck Hodges basically eliminated (laughs) the Browns from the playoffs okay we'll end it on that note I guess here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast again check out Football Insider make sure you're subscribed uh, on Apple Podcasts Google Spotify leave us uh, good ratings good reviews And we will talk to you all again tomorrow for Scott and Mary Kay. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.